This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Let me tell you what, I, uh, I've been watching some Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix recently, and there's this one episode about an alien encounter in Massachusetts, and I've gone on a bit of a deep dive into podcasts and documentaries on alien encounters and i gotta tell you what i think i'm in i i think i'm in on alien conspiracy theories i well this is crazy i recently fell down a youtube rabbit hole of uh of like alien conspiracies with with like ancient civilizations in egypt yeah. anyways we could do a whole podcast dedicated we're in. not gonna do it i'm all into and as always at the house of sav we got trent fontanella trent how you doing bud Boys, I am doing well tonight. I mean, I might alienate some of our listeners right now, but if you don't believe in aliens, get off this podcast. This is a (laughs) pro-alien podcast, and there's a 100% chance that they're out there somewhere. Uh, But guys, I'm a little disappointed. The Chicago Marathon got canceled, which I was planning on running this year, and you know, I was... I was really gearing up for it, right? I was doing my heart rate monitoring. I was doing my, my keto little cleanse for a couple of weeks there. I had a real shot at, at contention for that thing. You were racing the orange line. That's right. That's right. I was racing the orange line, Instagram. Check that out. Uh, but now that that race is canceled, I probably will never, you know, be in this good a marathon shape again. I'll, I'll never, you know, uh, run sub 220 or something like that. Like I definitely was going to. Um, Keep in mind, marathon training has no correlation to two-mile training. So if I run slow in the two-miler, don't read into it like I wasn't going to run blazing fast in Chicago. Uh, so definitely you know, a sad day for me. Hold on. So, Trent, you were doing the stupid keto diet because you thought you were going to run the Chicago Marathon, even after Boston, New York, and all the other marathons across the country were getting canceled. You were putting yourself through that torture for the marathon? I was... I was preparing myself to run at an Olympic level, right? I was training like an Olympian so that I could run like an Olympian. And I I absolutely would have executed. Uh, But unfortunately, very unexpectedly, the Chicago Marathon is is now canceled. And I won't be able to put my fitness on display. You ready for this joke? You will be running like an Olympian. That's to say that you just won't be running. (laughs) <laughs> oh got him <laughs> a plus jokes is today's pod, boys. <laughs> and at the 27 video production studios we got pro flow how you doing flow guys it is good to be here you guys look incredible tonight all three of you i'm a huge alien guy but a bigger golf <laughs> guy i am so in on oh. this it's incredible so either one i'd be down for but what i wanted to say was I'm addicted to Cameo. I, re- I don't know how I got onto this so late, but I am all in on Cameo. Just searching like searching like American Idol people that I watched when I was like 12 with my sister. Like it's inc- I'm going down crazy rabbit holes on Cameo. And here's my thing. I'm Cameo, not- the the celebrity like shout out app where you can like pay a celebrity to say something. Exactly. I like knew what it was, but now I, you know, I'm 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 all in. And here's the thing. Now I'm part of a podcast, getting part of a pretty big audience here. 
uh, this might be my best chance to have cameo, even if it's just like 25 cents. I just want to do one. Like if anyone wants a cameo, let me know. I'll get on the app. I, I don't know. It's, this is my biggest chance. I would love to. That's like a new dream of mine. I was going to say, what, what, what is the going rate right now, do you think, for producer flow on Cameo? Ooh. I mean, I'd, I'd, pay, I'd pay at least a dollar to have you say whatever I wanted you to say. <laughs> oh, that's at true. At least a dollar. That's true. I could think of a couple people who might, might take you up on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd pay. A, you know what? I'd pay two bucks for that. There were people on there for like $10 or like $9.99. I mean, I don't know. I, here's, I don't think I'm there yet, but I'll tell you what. I think we're getting pretty damn close. Maybe so that's pay- a maybe that's a New Year's resolution right there. Oh, <laughs> on cameo. I'm all in on cameo now. So now I'm gonna be I'm gonna re research and what you need to do to get on cameo. So, <laughs> anyways, team registration is up for the two miler. Let's go! Mm. I am so pumped. The shirts came out unbelievable. The belts came out even better. This is going to be awesome. I am so pumped for this. I like I couldn't sleep last night. I was so excited. You guys were grinding all weekend making dope videos that I had serious FOMO because I couldn't make it there for. But you had me fired up. And I can't wait for all these videos to drop and people start getting excited, checking out the website that Trent created. I mean, this is this is it. We're here. We did it. And let's just let the registration start flowing in now, baby. Yes, they posted. We got a whole we got a whole archive now of videos to promote the two miler, and they're courtesy of Twenty Seven Video Productions, by the way. And they are all awesome and hilarious. Guys, we are entering championship season right now, right? right. That long drawn out, you know, four to six week stretch before the the big race. So um, get your taper on. That's that's what we're at right now. Uh, and then we just focus all our efforts on like the team building, right? Getting your mental head straight. You know, prepping for the after party. Uh, prepping for the content videos that are going out so this is exciting time yeah dude i went i went one week of base phase right into taper season it was a a pretty quick turnaround for me i did a weekend of base phase yeah (laughs) so that's where we're at i mean i you know what I'm, i'm i've come i've come to like the mindset where it's just like it's gonna be all quality in zero quantity that's right so if i'm running i'm probably running on the track i'm probably doing some sort of interval or <laughs> some sort of tempo that's it that's all i got in my body right now there's so. no reason for a long run right i mean we can no. just throw that out the window okay i love it's too i months. love when you have like a friend come to you who's, who doesn't know running too well and he like presents a training plan of some sort and it's basically what steve just described there he's like yeah i go to the track you know two or three times a week and i just do like repeat 400s and that's it and you're just like you're going places, kid. You know, that, that's where you're at, Steve. This is going to be a stupid question, but this is why I'm here. What is a 400? <laughs> that's a great question. No, it's a great question. How question from a non-runner. It's so one it's, lap around the track, Flo. Yeah. Just one? One yep. lap, yeah. And he does how many? Your buddy? Well, any, anybody can get out there and do as many laps so as like, they can. So, Pat, this, this is a good question from a non-runner. 400s is like a pretty standard workout, right? So like you're doing, when you're saying you're doing 400 repeats, it means like you're repeating one lap of the track really fast. So like, you know, a workout might be eight times 400 or you do 400 before and after like a block. So that's kind of like a saying in, in like the work, running workouts. All right, Good question though. That's why you're here, Pat. Give us the you, non-runner's perspective. I'm writing it down. So I don't forget. You taking notes? Yeah, you, Flo's going to be out on the track doing 400s tomorrow. Mike, I'm doing a lot more than you think. I'm just not really, but, you know, we'll see. All right, boys, let's kick off the running news. 
righty. So we got, you know, some, some real running news to talk about this week, some real results and everything. But I, re- I want to start with this right off the bat because this is news that pops right off the page to me. And I think pops right off the page to the average sports fan. I saw a quote today, and this is how the quote goes. It says, if my coach came back and told me, let's do this, I will, because I believe so much in my coach. So I know if he says, we're going to do this, I know it's possible. Give Glenn Mills a call, and I'll be back. That quote is from Usain Bolt. He literally (laughs) just said in an interview that all the only thing that needs to happen for him to come back to the sport of track and field is for his coach to give him a call up and say, hey, buddy, let's do this. Um, can we just start spamming Coach Mills right now? Can we get everybody in you know, the track nation to just email, Instagram? I don't know how you find this guy, but we got to get Glenn Mills on the phone and just tell him to pick up, shoot you saying a text, let's go. This is the most preposterous statement <laughs> that, that I have ever heard. I mean, preposterous? Well, let's just say this. The second I hear, right, I'm immediately fired up. You know, it makes me think I can get back and like run a PR in the 5K tomorrow. The confidence and the swag that Mr. Bolt has that he says he can just just come back. All you need to do is convince his coach to let him like run again. It was it was awe-inspiring. But then I thought, Usain, please don't come back because you can't win. You're 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 too old. I'm sorry, Usain. Noah Lyles is gonna kick your ass out there. And it's not going to, I mean, I guess Noah's probably 200. He's run the 100. Christian Coleman's going to, you know, get out of this AIU shenanigans that he's stuck up in. I just mean, when you see your idols come back when they're too old, it can be a little sad and disappointing. So I don't want to see him come back, although I was fired up about his swagger. So Trent, you say that he can't win, can't right? Win. And we were talking a little bit about aliens at the top of the show. Usain Bolt isn't human. The guy is an alien. And if he wanted to get back on the track, if he wanted to take another shot at the Olympics, I 100% believe that he could compete. And not only do I believe that he could comp- compete, I think it would be one of the greatest stories in the history of sports if he got back out there. And, you know, he might not be, he might not be celebrating down the last, you know, 10 meters. He may not be dancing before the finish line. It might come down to a split second. But there's no question in my mind that if Usain Bolt's towing the starting line, He's the favorite to win. Yeah, I mean, the favorite? How, I, the favorite. If, Trent, if I gave you straight up right now, even odds between Coleman and Bolt, and you know Bolt's like in good shape if he's coming back to the sport, you're not going to take the greatest to ever step on a track? Does Coleman get to run? Is he allowed to run? Yeah, Coleman gets to run. Yeah, I'm taking <laughs> Coleman, man. The guy hasn't been competing in years. I mean, he's. I just looked it up. He's, he's 33 years old, which is old for 100-meter runners. You know, he's no, he's no young buck anymore, and I know he's an alien. I know he's the greatest to ever do it, but that's a big ass for him to come out of retirement like that. So I, I'm not crazy about your pessimism towards you saying here, but here's, I will downplay this a little bit here. The only reason that you say this if you're Usain Bolt is if you have already had a conversation between you and your coach that you're never going to come back. So he can just say that and like get people excited, get his name out there and have people talk about it. <laughs> but there's no way that he just like doesn't talk to his coach and hasn't already had that conversation and they haven't already made the decision that that's just not going to happen. Or, or, <laughs> or, or it's the exact opposite. And he's been doing some workouts and he's been doing some training, and he's been getting secretly in shape. And this is just kind of the first tease 
of what's to come. So that could be the case. But the other thing is like, you gotta love, you gotta love a guy that just is like ride or die for his coach like that. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta love a guy that's just like, Hey, if my coach believes me, if my coach tells me to do this, guess what? I'm doing it. Like that, sure. that, that, I mean, like, you know, like I, I think that's something that we don't see enough of in sports, especially running, especially track where it's just like, it's just like, Hey, I'm ride or die for my coach. I, I believe what my coach tells me. And this is freaking Usain Bolt we're talking about. I mean, nobody should have more self-confidence in the entire world. Nobody should need somebody to tell them like, Hey, I believe in you to convince them that they can do it. Right. Like, this is coming from the fastest man in the history of the world. And he's saying that from an alien from an, yeah, and from a non-human, he's saying that the only way he'll come back is not if he believes in himself, if his coach believes in him. I mean, that's incredible. So to, to counter that real quick, though, right? <laughs> you think coach Mills is fired up about you saying, saying this, right? Coach Mills has been fielding just phone calls from the press all day, right? He's getting all these calls, and now he has to, you know, call up Usain and be like, what the hell, man? Why are you having, you know, the entire country of Jamaica, I'm sure, and every track and field reporter out there, you know, that that's worth a dime, calling me up and trying to figure out, you know, the scoop on is Usain training, like Steve was saying, you know, hidden workouts and that sort of thing. So if I'm, if I'm Usain's coach, I'm like a little – you know, a little annoyed right now that now I have to deal with all the press. It goes much deeper than that, Trent, because after saying this, if he doesn't come back and run, I mean, Coach Mills is public enemy number one, because now <laughs> we know the only thing separating us between us and Usain Bolt again is Coach Mills. I mean, he's, he's you know, the world's most wanted if we can't get Usain back on the track. Imagine. Imagine how amazing that would be. I mean, we want people to care about this sport. Guess what? People are going to care about this sport oh, if yeah. Usain Bolt comes back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be unbelievable. So if Coach Mills says no to the comeback, does Usain just not just not run, right? Like he's ready to go, That's right? He's he doing these That's workouts. He he's fired up. He can't find another coach. I mean, if unless you think Usain's lying, then yeah, I think that's what he's what he's trying to tell us. <laughs> All right, let's get to some real results. We had some actual racing this past weekend the first i mean i don't even know if i want to call it race it was more of a time trial the bowerman track club uh you know probably the deepest and you know most well-known track club in the country if not the world went out and did a 5k time trial they were going after all kinds of records and we saw some blazing fast times we had moamad from canada Drop a 12.47, the 10th fastest 5K ever run. The Canadian record, record, the North American record. Lopez LeMond was right behind him in 12.58. Just crazy fast times. And then on the woman's side, Shelby Houlihan, who we've already said is just the most badass woman in American track and field, drops a 14.23 American record, just edging out Carissa Schweizer, who was also broke broke the American record, but never got to you know have that in fourteen twenty six. Gentlemen, we saw some blazing fast times on the track. What do you think? So, I want to ask you guys this for a start. Like, Bowerman Track Club does this every once in a while, where they just like they do these secret time trials where they get on the track and you know they run really fast. I guess it's kind of cool. Do we like this? Like, do we like that Bowerman Track Club does these secret time trials against? 
just their own team. They don't in, in, include anybody else. Like, what do you, what do you guys think? Like, is this, is this good for the sport? Do we enjoy this? I, I can't, I'm on the fence. I think first off, you need to separate this one from the other ones, right? This one's a little bit different with That's the fair. COVID situation. And so it's, it's, it's not, you know, I'm not going to uh, judge them for not inviting others for it. Um, but I think that's a good point, Steve. I, I, I don't hate your point for in general of having these, you know, we can't even call it a race, right? These, these time trials out there, um, you know, and not inviting some of the other, you know, big names out there to go ahead and head. Like they know their, their athletes are, are priming to run fast, right? But they're not giving or inviting anyone else to, to push them that little bit further, or they don't want the headline of, you know, one of their athletes getting beat out in a super fast time to somebody else. But I think it's well, a fair I point. I don't even think it's that because, I mean, when you're in a race environment that's not just you versus your teammates, I mean, it allows for pretty much, you know, the most ideal conditions possible, right? You have pacers, you have rabbits, you know, it's not like a strategy. It's everything is based around running these fast times. But I I feel like you guys kind of put a damper on my hot take that I was going to come up with. Well, hey, I'm not, I'm not done with that. Can I, can I, can I say one more thing? You go and continue. I'm going to continue to, to, to put a damper on the, the hot take that you were about to, to make. Like, I think that this, this type of mentality, and, and I think a lot of the, the, this would piss off a lot of the AIU Yellow Jacket supporters, <laughs> but this type of mentality is like the biggest problem with the sport, right? Like we care, this sport cares too much about times. They care too much about records when we should care way more about winning races. And Trent brings up a really good point that this one is, is an exception. This one's different just because we can't race. But in general, like, I don't, I don't care about this. Like, I care if you're, if you're, like, if you're wearing a Bowerman Track Club singlet and you're winning races, that's what I care about. That's what I want to cheer for. Like, I don't, I'm not getting excited about cheering for a time trial. Like, I'm just, I'm just not. Like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Congratulations. You got, you got a record. Like, but you didn't win a race. Right. And, and so that's exactly where I was going with this. Right. And I think, you know, not to be hypocritical here, because we were the first ones to say when, you know, COVID was going down, like people just need to go out there and start doing stuff. Give us some kind of content, race each other, race other teams. Like we were beating that drum as much as we could. But it, I mean, in, in this race was crazy. I mean, we had some crazy fast times, but I'm getting to a point where I am fatigued by these time trials and I'm finding it hard to care. I mean, it's just not why I love the sport and watching a bunch of people in the same uniform go after these fast times. I mean, it's like, I would rather, you know, obviously like the quality maybe of the videos and the content is better when you can have a live race like that. But I honest to God would rather watch these virtual races because at least we're getting races, right? It's hard to follow and not, you know, not the easiest thing in the world to, enjoy but at least i'm watching two people compete against each other and that is what this sport is fun about so it's like i think i was excited up to and through this time trial but i'm at the point where anything after this i I just i don't i can't find myself getting excited about a group of people getting on a track wearing the same uniform trying to chase times like i'm just over it we need it we we need to be more creative and we need to keep racing each other and you know, a lot of these race, these teams are congregated in the same area in you know, in the same States in the same towns, even. And it's like, come on, we can create these social distancing. Like, you know, what, made this awesome? put, like, what? Yeah, you know, there was, there's one thing that could have made this the single greatest thing in sports to come out of quarantine. They could have done one thing. 
Usain Bolt. Well, that would have been pretty cool. <laughs> but this actually might even be better. Just invite Paul Chalimo. Just yeah. invite Paul Chalimo. Just Lopez give, Lamont, give us Paul the Chalimo showdown. The give us right, the showdown, Chalimo Lamont, and you make this. You completely change my opinion on this where it's like, okay, I'm sick of running for a time trial, sick of running for records, and you make this the showdown we've all been waiting for. That would have been unbelievable. And you could have separated the two, right? Like you could have set Mohamed up in a time trial, time trial fashion, right? Like have his patience like that, have that one event, and then just have a completely separate one-on-one Lamong and Chalimo, and that would have been sick. Like, again – I, I risk of sounding hypocritical because we were the ones pounding the drum saying, get out there and just do something. I'm at the point where I need to see two people racing each other. I'm, I'm sick of time trials. Yeah. You want to see the racing, but I do appreciate the, the balls out for the fast times out there, right? Too many times we're complaining about the five K's where it turns into do a sit and kick or the mile or whatever, you know, race we're saying where we don't like it when, you know, they take the, the first three quarters of it and take the time um, and then just kick home. So, I, I mean, I do appreciate these guys going out crazy. I know there, there's rabbits that are making a little bit artificial. Um, so I would, I would ideally would love to see kind of that balance there where, you know, you invite Shlimo and Lamong and Shlimo talk about it ahead of time. Like, hey, we're going fast today, right? You know, we can switch off, you know, the first, uh, every other lap or something for the first, um, I don't know, 3K. And then, and then we're really racing this thing. And then get like some excitement for that. Because um, I mean, it was, it was pretty freaking cool to see Shelby run that fast, you know, and there was, it was cool to see those times there. Um, so I don't, I don't want to like poo poo the, the, the effort to, to run these super fast times and um, to go after it like they are. Um, I guess you could find the right balance though. Trent, like I said, I was, I was excited thinking, through this event though. Like I, I enjoyed and was excited about this event. I just think this was the final straw for me. Trent on, on your point there, I, you know, we talked about it last week, how, Brazier is like we thought that he might be a loser of quarantine like where he was ready to roll and then he proved to us that his trick his trajectory hasn't stopped like he's going to be at a point next year that he probably wouldn't have been able to get to this year and he's just going to be that much more dominant the biggest loser of quarantine might be Shelby Hulahan dude because she is she is one badass runner and she is running some unbelievable times and she would have rolled into this olympics and and done stuff that we haven't seen from american women in a, in a very long time and so like i feel for her. hopefully she can keep this up hopefully she can keep it going into next year but like you got to look at like who the losers of this of this uh this postponement of the olympics and i think she's probably the biggest one for sure and like i think you know you look at a guy like brazier who's like a baby and just has so much time. I mean, baby in like the concept of age, he has so much time left in his career where it's like Shelby is at the absolute top of her game. And who knows how much time she has left at this, you know, the absolute peak of her career. Um, so yeah, no, I completely agree. Look at us with these insightful takes. Dude. Like this is, this is impressive. Smart, huh? dude. Yeah, we, we, it's like, it's like we have started following the sport or something. And we, I know. You know. And guess what? <laughs> it's kind of fun to follow, right? It is. It is. Even when there's not real racing. <laughs> uh, so there actually was one kind of legitimate race this week, and it was another virtual type of deal, mostly sprinting going on here, but it was the inspirational games. And the real one new story I want to get into with this race was Noah Lyles, who is you know, we talk a lot about Christian Coleman being the fastest guy in the world and that stuff. But I mean, when you really want to break it down, Noah Lyles is the face of USA track and field. I mean, he's the total package. The guy is young, 
dominant and just electric on on and off the track. The guy is the man. So he goes and runs this blazing fast 200 sub 19 and it's just like if you're watching this live and unfortunately i watched it pre-recorded so i kind of knew it already happened but if you're watching this live you must have been like what the hell just happened (laughs) and then they find out you know because i think people were like that can't be right that there was a discrepancy in the lane that he was in he actually only ran 185 meters instead of 200 meters so obviously (laughs) that time doesn't count but hilarious story and just even if there was a split second where, you know, the world and Noah and, you know, the announcers or whoever thought that he just ran that time. It, I mean, it's worth every second. It's so funny. The announcer was at first saying that can't be right. That can't be right. And then it was 1891, I think. And then it came down 189 and he was like starting to convince himself. And he's like, well, we'll see if it is right. And he was, <laughs> he like didn't trust himself that there's no way it could be correct. But this was a hilarious story. And just like, you know, the perfect, uh, it just sums up like these virtual races that people are, like throwing together, um, <laughs> that he's got nobody next to him and no track official telling him where to line up. I guess those guys in yellow are important for things like this. <laughs> so I have two thoughts on this. First off, congratulate, congratulations to Noah Lyles for making the 200 interesting. If you guys, if you, if you've been with peak too early True. for a long time, you know that there's no event we hate more than the 200 meters. So, um, for the first time we're talking about 200 meters. And then my second thought is Trent, is this the distance there distance that they run for 200 meters in New Hampshire? <laughs> uh, no, no comment. That. That. No, comments. that would explain it. If it's just, you know, just like the mile where everybody in America runs the 1600, it's like, Oh, in high school, we just, instead of running full 200 meters in other States, we run 185. That's just what we do. <laughs> Can I, can I make great. a really insightful point about this uh, meet just after we complimented ourselves on how insightful Please. we were? Please. Oh, Let's do it. The, the fake fans in some of the stadiums <laughs> there, just, I can't get behind that. You see these, these cutouts of people, and they've all got, like, the same shirt on or, or two different colors of the same shirt. And it's just, it's just freaking weird, man. Like, I don't need cardboard cutouts of fans in the stands i couldn't be i couldn't disagree with you more i love like the weekend at bernie ones or like the home alone ones where they have like different cardboard cutouts like tied to them and they're like moving their arms yeah it it makes it look like there's a bunch of people like partying dancing i think it is hilarious every single time i need more of that i hope when fans come back we're still doing it well hey i i this just occurred to me but i have a new goal for the podcast it's at some point before the end of quarantine, one of us needs to be a cardboard cutout in the stands of a track event. <laughs> if that can we... happen, if that can happen, then I, I, I like, I retire. Like the, I will, I will hang my Jersey in the rafters. Like it's, it's done. I don't know how we make that happen, but I like it. Come on, right. let's go. Let's go. Come on. Somebody, somebody get the ball rolling on this. All right. So the final segment of news today, we're going to play another little game. And it's a version of a game that we've played in the past here. Um, and we'll call this one flow track. Let's run. Or I made it up. So <laughs> the concept of it is I'm going to read, you know, a title here of an article and you have to guess, is it either a flow track news article? Is it a let's run? Um, you know, what is that? Yeah. They're a little, what's their board? I guess their message the board. Message is it a message board, yeah. board post or did I make it up? All right. So here we go. <clears throat> the first one is <laughs> Man, 
don't even know where to start. There's so many good ones. All right, the first one is, how many miles is a 5K? And what else <laughs> should you know? I mean, please, like, that's got to be, that's got to be a message board. Okay. Steve says, Let, let's run message board. I'm thinking flow track. Okay. Good. Flow, do you, do you have a guess? That's flow track. That's flow track. So again, the title was how many miles is a 5k and what else should I know? Gentlemen, that is a flow track news story. Oh, no, <laughs> come on, come on. That is, is that a paid <laughs> content story? I hope not. I didn't think that far, but that is a news story. All right. I don't know anything and I knew that was flow. Track. <laughs> All right. This one is <laughs> So it is. Those of you on Tinder, what's it like? That is so let's run. That is, that is so let's run. That is the, the epitome of a let's run message board post. <laughs> Come Steve, on. Come on. Steve, like you're killing our sport. Like you're just feeding in. You're just feeding into the negative stereotype of our sport. What is going Please tell me you made it up. I, I, come on. I don't know. I'll, I'll stay with Trent. Let's run. I don't really know what let's run is. I'll go let's run. That is a let's run message board post. God All right. Dang, people. Come on. <laughs> All right. The next one is what is wrong with ultra people? The, the ultra people saying it that way um, says it's not flow track. So it's either a let's run or a Mike Gender and original. I'll go Mike Gender and original. Okay. I'm going to go message board. I'm going to stay. I'm staying hot with Trent. Mikey, that's you. No, that's a that's a let's run message board. Let's I picked up a I I kind of want to dive deep into that one. Who knows what that one could be like? Totally about like what the the reason behind blogging that is. But the 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 fact that the title is "What is wrong with ultra people?" <laughs> what is, is wrong is, with you people? Is is pretty hilarious. <clears throat> All right, this one is how to tie your running shoes. I'm gonna go with flow track. Yeah, I think I think that's a flow track article. You made that up. Flo, you're the only smart one. But the fact that you guys so convincingly <laughs> thought that was a flow track article, I, mean, I made that shit up. But it could be a flow track article. That's insane. Yeah. All right, we'll do a couple more here. I have so many written down that are hilarious, but we'll do a couple more here. <laughs> Having problems with my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this the same person that wrote the Tinder post? <laughs> Hundred oh percent, let's run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we I probably mean, don't even got need, it. We don't even need to let's that run. <laughs> that's just. I mean, I just put picked that out because it's classic. Let's <laughs> run. All right, we'll do the last one here. We'll do the last one here. <clears throat> Four tips for running in the cold. Uh, we'll go flow track. Yeah, I like I like flow track. That's a that's a flow track sounding headline. Yeah, that's flow track, gentlemen. That's that's nice. the kind. Of, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the kind of insightful there. content. Four, you know? Four tips for running the cold in July. <laughs> 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 yeah so uh i have a million more and they're all hilarious but uh we'll play it again we'll, soon yeah we'll, we'll play that game again soon oh, it's my freaking tinder one. Oh my god all right gentlemen that's all i got for the news today i really didn't know what let's run was so i googled it quick it says if you email or call us 844 let's run you'll hear back as we are real people we should prank call them on the podcast oh boy at some point we should maybe not tonight, but that should definitely be an upcoming segment. Let's just start calling Flow Track or let's run. That. We can cut that just so they don't know. No, no, no. I like it. Leave it in. All right, boys. Let's get into our interview with Tin Man Elite, seven time, seven time 
NCAA national champion in D2 out of Adams State, Sydney Getabuda. What's up, Sydney? So where I want to start with you is, so we, we have a special place in our heart for uh, D2 athletics. Myself yeah. and Trent up there in the top left corner. We ran, on, we ran D2 uh, cross country and track. Our yeah. producer down there, he played uh, D2 baseball. And our other co-host who couldn't make it tonight, he was a D2 runner as well. So okay. big, big D2 fans here. And I guess where I want to start is from the D2 community, um, mm-hmm. can Adam State just go D1 already and make our lives a little bit easier? <laughs> yeah, I mean – I think there, there are a few problems with that, I guess. Um, you know, the, the rest of the school probably wouldn't hold up in the, in the Division One system. Uh, so I guess that, that would make it pretty hard. And, uh, you know, I, I, wish we, I wish we did at, at times. You know, I'd heard of like that, like that old system where like maybe the Division Two champs get like got a chance to compete with Division One people. And so like I do, you know, I like that, you know, that idea, but like, also, you know, winning, <laughs> winning was also fun. So I guess, you know, I might be selfish and be like, oh, we could stick around in, in Division Two. That's a that's kind of the beauty of cross country and track and field compared to some other sports. I think is that you can compete against you know the best D one teams at the big invites. Like as a D two runner, I used yeah. to love like following Adams when they're at you know, whatever invite that they're at and seeing them run. Um, but like you said, winning is fun. So, you know, give us a little insight. What's it like at Adam State where you guys are just like, you got to be just like the hot shots on campus, right? Like you guys are by far and away the best sport or is it just like every other school where cross country doesn't matter? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like that. You know, I think everyone, everyone knows like what, you know, how well we do, but it's, it's kind of brushed off, you know, like um, we have like one home cross country meet and like, a good amount of people show up, but I think that's kind of all that they think about, you know, it's like, it's fun when they're there, but they don't, they don't really like keep up with it, you know? <laughs> and so like the, the community seems to love it, but like the student body is kind of, you know, indifferent there. It's just another cross country program to them. Which, which would surprise me a little bit. Cause when you're at nationals, Adam State always has the contingent of just like shirtless college kids running around <laughs> with their like stomachs painted. So is that just like, the, I actually have always wondered this, is that the track and field program? Is that just like the rest of the cross country guys that aren't running? But it seems like there's always a massive Adam State guys with a big flag, you know, running yeah. around half naked in 30 <laughs> degrees with, you know, sleet going on. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's mostly the, the rest of the team. Um, in, in my time there, like the team grew quite a bit. And so, you know, in terms of the like men's and women's program, there are probably like 60 people, 50 to 60 people at different times. And so, you know, you, you get, uh, what, 45 people that might show up or close to it. Um, you know, we, we do it like, you know, we make it a big deal making it out to nationals. Uh, you know, I've had teammates drive like, you know, close to 30 hours to make it to, to like Florida um, a few years ago. And it's just, it's just part of the tradition, you know, it's like, if you're not, if you're not racing, you're still going to go, um, or you're going to do everything like possible to, to go. And so, yeah, it, it's mostly like other people on the team, maybe some siblings, you know, like I, I remember some years, like some older siblings would just come out and like kind of get a taste of cross country. Cause like some of them might not have been like cross country runners themselves. And so like 
my other teammates would bring on like parents and like they would all get rowdy but yeah it's mostly my my teammates that were out there <laughs> yeah i uh we one year me and trent uh, one of the years that we weren't running at nationals we made a, a road trip out from massachusetts to joplin missouri to go oh. watch our, our team run one year but it was like we were like one of like four fans over there so we were always jealous i think it was like you guys it was like chico state uh, Colorado Mines, like, oh, yeah, Western always had, like, like insane yeah. fan bases, and here we are with just, like, three of us waving a flag, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were definitely always jealous of that, but, so, just to harp on this a little bit more, I think, you know, I kind of joked at the beginning where it's like, you know, should you guys just go D1 already and get out of our hair, but is there something to be said for, like, I guess on an individual level, that mm-hmm. atmosphere where you could compete at you know, the top level and win national championships. And not that you couldn't compete at the D1 level, but being able to be in a winning environment and always be putting yourself in a chance to win championships, individual and for team, did that contribute to your success? I guess, like, do you think you would have had as much individual success at the D1 level? Um, hmm, I don't know. Uh, maybe, you know, I, I think, like, I do have that chip on my shoulder coming out because I never got to compete at, like, NCAA Division ones. Um and so I think I'd say yes and no, you know, there are times where I kind of think like, oh, you know, at, at conference, like, you know, a race that might not have mattered as much as like, say, nationals to me, like, I was still somebody that would compete there and maybe double, uh, maybe do the DMR in another race. And at times, I kind of think like, oh, you know, like, if I didn't have to do that, I would have a better shot at nationals. And that would allow me to like, compete well on that same weekend with like the division one guys. Um, but then another thing, I think like the team, the team atmosphere and like the team, like culture that was built through like people that did win national championships, you know, like I remember, you know, just like from my first year there as like a redshirt freshman, um, you know, I'd hear stories of like Aaron Braun or Kevin Bad or Tabor, just all the guys that have come and gone. And, you know, since they did some crazy things, it like, it kind of, it pumped me up and it got me very ready for like my chance. And so, you know, I think if I did go to a division one school, it would have been hopefully with like one that had like the same like team culture and like built up reputation, you know, um, I think that really helped, you know, just like the old guys that like I had to keep up with, you know, and so, yeah, so it's, you know, I think there are like some, some win, you know, some pros and cons to like to it, you know, I mean, it definitely, definitely paid out to you. If the listeners don't realize a uh, seven time uh, NCAA D2 champ, did you ever lose track of your uh, titles? Like, uh, like, how do you, how do you keep track of all those? Uh, would it have lose track of them? Um, you know, I think, I think they were easy. I had, I had more success on, uh, in indoors. And so I knew, I know like, Oh, most of them, I just count on indoors. Um, and so, yeah, through there, I think of my indoors, I won like six out of my eight chances. Um, and then I, I just never had like a, you know, I think other, other issues came, came around and that's where I just like, wasn't always like the top dog come outdoor. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I kind of just look at the, uh, I remember it as like 2018 3k or you know, it, it's fairly easy to to organize in my. I head. don't. I, I don't want to brush over six out of eight. I mean, that's Jordan <laughs> Bowles territory. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think, um, yeah, like it was my goal to to get. You know, I think from my freshman year, uh, I kind of was on like a streak, and it was my goal to get eight of eight. And in the end, I got beat by a couple of pretty good guys. Um, 
one of them was like for indoors. One of them was Vincent Kiprop. Um, and he like dethroned me from the previous year, uh, in the five day. And that, that was, that was a, like, that was a hard one because it was like, um, you know, I was, I was still like a young guy, you know, I was a red shirt sophomore at that point, but like, it kind of felt like I wasn't gonna get beat, you know, after, after my first year. And so it was definitely like a smack in the mouth. And then, uh, I was able to come back like two days later in the three K and like really hold on to it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad for those challenges, you know, it's, uh, I think like that loss allowed me to win, you know, maybe the next few. Yeah. So, and then coming from, you know, that kind of success and kind of being the, the big dog in D2 and then entering onto the professional scene now running with the tin man guys, how kind of, how's that transition been for you? And, you know, adjusting to, you know, the pro lifestyle and, and hanging out with those crazy tin man guys. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been great. You know, I think um, it's, I've really paid attention to like other aspects of my life being here, you know, um, you know, I am not like, I'm not like a contracted athlete. And so, you know, I do get support, but I, you know, I still have to work and all that. And so that's like an added stress that like at Adams, you know, I was a scholarship athlete and all I had to do was like, run, go to class, and then I could sit on my butt like all day. Um, and so now like life stresses have come in and like I have to learn how to how to live with those. You know, I have to like learn how to train around my work and uh, be able to recognize like the signs and symptoms of like being fatigued from just like work and being on my feet and all that. And so that's that's definitely a hard part. But then also like having all the guys here that are very much at my level or better is something very new, you know? Um, like, even though Adam State was very good, um, I didn't always have, like, a training partner on my shoulder, you know? And now it's, like, I, I don't think I've ever dropped anyone in a workout here, you know? And, you know, because, like, even if the main guy has an off day or is just not there, maybe that's Drew or Sam or whoever, uh, even if they're not there, I still have the teammates that are, like, right behind me or the teammates that are like right at my level. And so um, that's definitely hard, like a hard thing to cope with. Cause like, you know, it's just like a, you know, I guess small, you know, big fish, small pond, you know, was kind of the, the thing. Um, and like, I, I've kind of come into, you know, the realm of like big fish and even bigger fish. And so <laughs> it's, it's tough. Sydney, I'm fascinated by kind of the balance that you're going to have, that you have to have, right. As a, as a, person that needs a job and then also training like you are like I make excuses all the time that <laughs> I you know have a nine to five and I just can't train like like I'd like to get in back in you know good shape and then see if I can run a fast marathon or something but yeah. I just you know I can't possibly do it so first off what is your day job and then what is what is getting that balance of you know getting a paycheck and also keeping yourself in you know elite shape yeah uh, I mean I think well, so I could start off with my job. I mean, I just work at like a sports nutrition warehouse, you know? Uh, so we just sell like individual like cliff bars and cliff blocks and gels. And so it's like, it's like meant for people to just like try little things out. Like, Ooh, I want a mango gel. Like just one of them. I can order that, you know? And so really I just get a bin and I pack them in and then I give it to somebody to, to box it up and ship it off. And so it's fairly simple. I think, that was, that was kind of the first thing that I wanted in a job because I knew I, I knew I had to get a job, but I didn't want it to be like a mentally taxing job. Like I'm okay with being tired physically, but I just didn't want something that would like drain me emotionally or like mentally, you know? 
um, at that job since we don't see any customers. Like once you're kind of in the groove, you can just like throw your headphones in and just like get to work. And you know, you just like, you might walk a few miles in that day in that small little warehouse, but like if you got something to kind of just like zone you out, it's nice. Um, you know, I'm sure that your nine to five is, is a little bit more like mentally taxing than that. And so I think that's just the biggest. Debatable. <laughs> I mean, you know, in terms of maybe not physically, I don't know, you know, but I think that was like the first thing that I was like looking for. Um, I have like hopped around uh, in terms of jobs. Like I worked at a, just like a running store, um, you know, sold shoes and all that. And that was, that was pretty fun, but still, you know, you have to kind of be upbeat and be ready to talk to customers and like that kind of stresses you out in itself. You know, you have to be like on your best behavior. Right. And that's enough of a stress for me to be like, eh, it's not completely for me. I, I enjoyed it, but it can take away from training. So can you hook us up with like free cliff bars and stuff? Three cliff bars. I mean, you know, I can, I can snag some, you know, maybe I'll, I'll ship, I'll ship them <laughs> off to you on the side. <laughs> you know, I, I don't get quite sure. Like, you know, the, the free discount. I'm, I'm not the owner yet, I guess. <laughs> not yet. I like that. So you mentioned it earlier, but uh, you know, you mentioned you tend to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and I love that. There's nothing more that I love than, you know, the chip on the shoulder guy who just is always going to carry something with him. And so does that, you know, this idea that, you know, a lot of the guys that you're competing against uh, on a, on a large scale are doing it professionally and completely professionally. That's their only job. And you have to work nine to five and then mm -hmm. still go out and get your work done. Like, does that contribute to that chip on your shoulder? And, you know, how does that make you a better runner? Yeah. I mean, certainly. Um, I remember my first uh, like race as a 10 man um, was like, it was a road race, the U S 10 mile champs. And, um, you know, this kind of comes with a mix of like some of these groups I like, I reached out to early on just to, just to hear from them, just to be like, Hey, my name's Sydney. Like, what do you think of me? Um, and some of them like didn't answer because I had a, you know, a fairly rough last like spring season. Um, and I just remember getting to the line and the gun going off and I saw like all these like pro kits and some from the, like from the teams that I reached out to. And I was just like, Oh, screw that. Like, I've been working and like, I'm ready to like prove those coaches that didn't answer like wrong, you know? Um, and so I think that kind of came in and my, like the chip on my shoulder, like really like helped me out. You know, I, th I think I remember, you know, Scott Fobble wasn't one of those guys that I was out for, but um, I remember he took it out like very hard. Uh, I was like, probably it was like a 418 first mile for a 10 mile race. And I was just like, I was very, very ready to just like be like, screw it. I'm going with him because I deserve to be here. And like, I'm ready to like kind of earn my spot in the, in the professional running world. And um, I don't think I could have done that if I, if I didn't have that chip on my shoulder, you know, I think if I tried to be smart, if I tried to be like methodical, I would have been like, Oh no, no, no. Like 418, 420. That's like way too fast. I got to sit back and, um, it did like it wouldn't have allowed me to race as freely as I did. That, that mindset it just fires me up. I know we have listeners right now that you know didn't make their top seven or whatever that are getting fired up right now. It's run fast. So there's the lesson out there. Run with the chip on your shoulder. Another lesson that Sydney will teach you is just like the the looks game, right? The swag. So mm. when did you realize that you looked cooler in glasses than any other runner ever has? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I guess, I guess I didn't, I didn't realize that exactly that, but, uh, you know, I think 
So I got glasses pretty late in my life for like how blind I am, you know, like I can't live without these, you know, on my face. Um, and so like my senior year of high school, I started racing in glasses and um, like, it was like, it just made life so much easier that like, you weren't going to see me without my glasses. And it was like, it was something that I realized was different because like a lot of people did put on contacts and I just hadn't thought it through. Like I didn't think about getting contacts. And so it was just like another way for somebody to like uh, differentiate me in the field, you know, like everyone has a, a very similar Jersey, like, especially in high school, everyone had like white jerseys, black shorts, and then their school name on their chest, you know? Um, and so like, you know, it was easy to get kind of caught up in the, in the sea of people. And so just having glasses, uh, you know, maybe doing something with the hair, it was like a way that I could be like, Hey, I'm the, I'm the, like, I'm the one different guy here, you know? Um, and so, yeah. And, you know, through the years I've bought, like, I've just kind of looked at different glasses and I was like, you know, I, I feel like doing this because I think this would be cool. You know, I just we, go for we- it. We probably talk about it too much. Our listeners are probably sick of us talking about, but I think it's important, right? Like, I think it's important to have your look and your swag. And we always talk about, you know, look good, feel good, feel good, run good. And you with your badass hairstyle, your cool clear rim glasses, you got the facial hair, the chain. It's like, that is your look, right? And that's, you know, everyone, that's how people identify you. And I think, I think that's important to, you know, Mm -hmm. your image and your, you know, confidence out on the track. If you feel like, you know, this is my style, I'm going to go out there and rock it. And everyone knows, you know, Mm -hmm. when I show up looking like this, this is, this is what I'm bringing to the table. I think it makes a big difference. So whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I mean, it's like, there's a huge part to it, you know, it's like, we're not like, you know, we got to have personality, you know, for sure. Yeah, you got to. And we we need more of that in the sport, right? The, the personalities and people differentiating themselves and, putting themselves out there that that's what helps grow this sport if you can be identifiable that's what gets your name out there and and you know gets the name out to people who don't necessarily you know are, are the track nerds or follow every step of the way yeah exactly no oh, i like it <laughs> now I'm, <laughs> I'm glad i got that question that's like i think that's that's something that's like um you know i don't often talk about you know i think i'm just like a, i'm usually a you know fairly quiet person and so um I think, you know, that just to add to that again, it's like, it's a way that I could speak without, without saying words, you know? Uh, another topic that, you know, maybe you don't get asked about a lot, but needs to be done. So one of the best parts about interviewing the Tin Man guys, because uh, I mean, we love talking to Tin Man guys. You guys are, you guys are usually like very just like thoughtful and have kind of a broad range of interests and it's great. And your website always has like fun facts about everybody. So um, for your profile, it says that you went on a 140 mile bike ride to hang out with a girl yeah. uh, and he's not afraid of committing ladies. So my question to you, Sydney is, yeah. do you regret setting the bar that high? Because if I am trying to hit on you, right. And mm-hmm. I'm maybe 140 miles away and yeah. I say, yo, I'd really love it if you came, just rode your bike over and yeah. you don't feel like doing that. Now I feel like you're not interested in me. So you're, is the bar too high for you? Ooh, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, that might not be something I, I, I mentioned to, uh, you know, as, uh, as often, um, you know, it's funny. I mean, with, uh, with my current girlfriend, uh, I like, I, I did mention that on the first date, but it was like, I'd already gotten that first date, you know, I was like, I was ready for that, you know, and um, it had like, I hadn't run into any other problems after that. I don't regret doing it. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a very fun, like, 
it was just like a way to challenge myself. And so like, I took a lot from that, like for myself as well, because I was just like in the middle of a desert on a 30 year old bike. And I was like, this is insane. Like, I'll never be in this position ever again. And I'm just glad that like, you know, once I made it through, like, I was like, I'm glad I made it out so I could tell the story. Like, you know, because it was, you know, I was going crazy out there. It was, it was very much a cliche, like, you know, man, just walking through the desert, man, like trying to get through it. And, you know, I'd say I was 18 and had like a bit of a crush. And I, uh, you know, like, you know, the end of the second semester came and we all went home. Um, and like, I came back to Alamosa to train, but, you know, she was still in, uh, in Santa Fe, 140 miles away. And she like earlier in the year, she had suggested like, oh, you guys should come visit. And we were like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And then we ran into the fact that like, we don't have cars. Um, and so she like jokingly suggested like, you guys could ride your bikes. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I, I committed to the idea because I said yes. Um, and, you know, one morning I had, I'd run the Portland Track Festival in like, I think it was like June 10th. Um, I think I flew back like June 12th. Uh, like had a big day of travel. So you have to like fly into Denver, drive four hours to Alamosa to get into town. So I got in and then I was like, I told my roommates at the time, like, I'm going to go on this bike ride tomorrow. And so I got in, went to sleep, got up at like 5am, ate a slice of pizza, um, packed two liters of water. And then like, I thought like, oh, shoot, like I need, I need some food. And so I like scrounged around and there was a packet of oatmeal, like just like a lonely packet of strawberry, like strawberries and cream, like oatmeal. And so I just threw that in the bag and I set off <laughs> and I just like at 70 miles into the ride, like I was a solo and I like peeled off on the side of the road, like threw the packet of oatmeal in my mouth, like switched it down with water, sat there for like five, 10 minutes. And then I just kept going and, Jesus. uh, and I made it out there like I mean it, it was nuts it was a it wasn't it like it was an experience I'll never forget you know I would not do it again um you know but it, it was fun you know <laughs> like how long did that I survived how long uh it was about 10 hours of riding dude that's like one of the more athletic feats I've ever heard of not like I know people ride 140 miles but the fact that you did it on like two liters of water and a piece of pizza a slice of pizza that's unbelievable yeah I mean at like 110 miles I remember there's this little little town it had like a chevron gas station and I like peeled off like really quick it was like so you know it was probably like three hours after my my lunch uh, I peeled off and I grabbed, <laughs> <Your lunch. laughs> and I grabbed like Look, at that point, I, I just, like, couldn't even eat because I was just, like, so, like, dehydrated and just, like, my stomach wasn't going to handle it. So I just bought, like, like a liter of water and two Arizona iced teas. And, like, I finished both the Arizona iced teas and I filled, like, my water into, like, my, into the bottles that I had already had, like, the Nalgene's that I had. And I just kept going. But it was, it was insane. Like, I drank probably, like, I don't know, like, 60 ounces of water in one go you know like I just like cracked one open (laughs) (laughs) like drank that and then I just cracked the second one open and I drank that as well and then just kept moving and at this point it was like 95 degrees outside (laughs) because late June and in the desert (laughs) to marry this girl 
Right. <laughs> no, it, it didn't quite work out like that. And so, you know, I think as of now, it's, it's just uh, it's just a friendly thing. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's because that's because you showed up and fell asleep for the next like twelve hours. About <laughs> <laughs> the ride. Was, yeah, was... <laughs> oh shit! Did you have to ride back? No, I didn't ride back. Oh, so Jesus. Yeah, like I said, my my bike is like oh, it's not my bike. I got stolen. So sadly, I'm very sad about that bike. Um, it got stolen, but uh, it was like a bike from like 1989, and it was just handed down to me. Um, <laughs> like, like I didn't check up on it. I didn't get it like worked on or anything. And surprisingly, I had no flats, no issues. But I had just like one gear that I like stayed on for 10 hours, and like, you know, made it there. And then like her mom like saw it, and she was like, "Well, I'm not gonna let you ride back with that." Like. It's like, it's insane enough that you like made it here with no issue, like I'm not. And so like the more like embarrassing part, honestly, is like I got a ride back <laughs> from her mom, like you know, two and a half hours, like, you know, a few days later. And so it like, you know, it's, it's a funny, it's like a completely funny story, you know? And, yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> You, you just told to us but if if we do i hope we run into each other at a, at a track meet when they have track meets again and we can get a beer and yeah. we can just relive like because we could do this for two hours getting details on the story I know. This is epic. one oh, of the more yeah. unbelievable stories i've ever heard yeah. <laughs> great all right well before this interview gets too far off the rails maybe we're already there i don't know but we'll we'll wrap this up but before we let you go we end every interview with a game down the home stretch so down the home stretch, we're going to pick one topic, hit you with a bunch of questions on it. Yeah. And what we're going to go with is we're going to go back to D2 and talk a little bit about their motto. So when I went, when I went to school, D2's yeah. motto was I chose D2. What, what was the, the recent one? What, uh, make it yours. Make it yours. Yeah. So we love D2. We're passionate about D2, but we've yeah. never been crazy about their motto. So we're going to give you some suggestions for yeah. new mottos and uh, you tell us if, you know, they, they pass or not. Okay. So Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. Yeah. Like Mike said, I was never a fan of, I chose D2. Maybe something better would be, I chose to get my ass kicked by Western and Adam state. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I mean, that's, that's a very good one. I, it would give me a little bit of like, uh, you know, it, it would add to the ego <laughs> for sure. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Hello. Uh, D2. With the hopes that my school goes D1 within the next few years so that people think I play D1 two years down the line. <laughs> okay. Because that's what happened to me. And people all the time are like, oh, Merrimack, nice. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I just leave out the fact that they switched a couple of years after me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, and you want it to go after you, you know? You want it to be after you're done so that you don't have to go through that little, like, window where you can't compete, Yeah. I think we pushed it forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. This this one is, is a good one, I think. It's uh, D2 gave me more scholarship money. I mean... <laughs> that is true. Uh, it, it would, like, that's probably the closest... But it's probably closest to the truth, right? Yeah, closest to the truth of all these. <laughs> all right. D2. Kind of like D1, but my swag bag at Nationals is way shittier. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, can, I can totally agree with that one. I think I've, I think I've tossed, like all the things i've gotten at the at the hotel <laughs> like i've just been like mm. <laughs> like i'm not gonna keep this like towel <laughs> like this half a towel you know so <laughs> meanwhile the guys at d1 get just like the coolest stuff yeah, they get like oh i think my last year 
uh, my last two years, we got like, we, you know, we got bumped up. I got like a couple of rookies, but then I ended up with two, two rookies. It's like, what am I going to do with that second one? <laughs> rookies, is that, that, that's what they're handing out to the, uh, the Adam State kids, huh? Yeah, I mean, I guess we get, uh, <laughs> they don't hand that out to, to the any 10 kids. <laughs> I mean, I, I, guess, I think they were NCAA ones, you know? I think they, the whole NCAA stepped up a little bit. But it's still not like a TV or something like that. For sure. <laughs> D2, because I can still play intramural sports and not get in trouble for it. <laughs> I like it. We did not have intramural, many intramurals, I guess, uh, in, at Adam. So I guess I, I don't know that life as well. <laughs> Our no. coach right. would be like, we suggest you don't, but really everybody did at the same time. Everyone. <laughs> All right, this one's uh, D2. Maybe they'll drug test me less. That's that's actually a funny thing. I I've never been drug tested. Oh <laughs> wow! So that is, Holy that is, smokes! That is one hundred percent true. You know, wow. not thing that I needed to. You know, I'm, I I would I would have been happy to obviously, but it was it was very weird. Like I've never that's gone wild. I've Oof, never. Right. I don't. All I don't right. need to go on a tangent here real quick, but. <laughs> I am a no-name bum from an any 10 school. I was tested at least twice, so it definitely wasn't random. They were like, they saw something about me. Like, this guy needs to be tested. So I can't believe that you have never been tested as a seven-time national champion. Yeah. I had teammates that got tested. Um, Like, you know, the nicest people around, you know, not that that means anything. If it's (laughs) I guess that that means that they can get tested as well, but you're like, wow, like, she's the nicest person on the team. Like, if she did drugs, like, that would be the like that would be the end of my world. <laughs> Go ahead and hit him with the last question. <laughs> All right, D2. Super legit, except for hockey. Except for hockey. Very good. I like that one. <laughs> I will take it. <laughs> I think lacrosse as well, right? Yeah, There's... they got, like, one conference that plays yeah. D2, and the rest of it. <laughs> so you say you're, like, a D2 national champ, you beat out, like, seven teams, so... Sorry to the hockey players out there. (laughs) All right, Sydney. Thanks a lot for coming on and hanging out with us and chatting with us. Look Mm -hmm. forward to uh, seeing the rest of your career and, you know, you ditching your day job and becoming, uh, you know, an Olympian one day. Exactly. I I hope for that, too. Well, thank you. All right, that interview with Sydney Getabudai is brought to you by Bell Lap Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell Lap boys. Look good, feel good, run good. And gentlemen, you know, I'm proud to say that if you go to the Bell Lap Track and Field page right now and you buy some gear, your purchases are going directly back to friend of the program, Annie Coons. Just signing with Bell Lab Track and Field. Got a little sponsorship going there. So, like, that's, what's, that's what we got going on here, right? If you go buy their stuff and you're hooking them up and you're getting sick gear from them, you're supporting athletes like Friends of the Program, Annie Coons, Big Wave Dave. I mean, those are the guys and gals who are benefiting from this stuff. Go check it out. Go hit it up there now and grab some sick gear. Yeah. And I, you know what? I'm just going to say it, like, obviously, Annie had to uh, to do all the work to, to become a professional athlete. Our guy, Chief, 
busted his butt to kind of create this awesome platform where he's sponsoring professional athletes. But, you know, I want to give us a little bit of a hand that we were able to help connect the two a little bit. I think that's really cool that we were able to contribute a small piece into, into both of their, their journeys at Bell Lap and Annie. So we wish them both the best of luck. And I'm looking forward to, to cheering, cheering Annie on as a Bell Lap track and field athlete going into 2021. So get some of Annie's gear. Watch out. Might be right. on the the, uh, the gram for Bell Lap coming up. All right. So we are going to bring back P2E Classics. So we're going to go back to 2010, Peyton Jordan meet, where Chris Selinski smashed the American 10K record. And as always, we kind of give you guys a quick YouTube video to watch alongside our recap. So if you go on YouTube, it's actually almost impossible to, to find a, a full recap or full um video of this race but there's an awesome little three minute clip on youtube it's just chris Solinsky breaks the american 10k record in 2010 two last two laps so guys watching this video was awesome so like we got to give some we got to give some background to this event and just kind of reading up on it and this was kind of built essentially as a meet for galen rupp to run really fast and have a chance to to break the the american record chris Solinsky. I don't think had ever run a 10K before. This was his debut. It was his debut in the 10K. Just felt awesome. And you know what? I'm going to bring, start off by saying, I'm going to bring the, the episode full circle here. Okay. We start off by Bowerman Track Club talking about their, uh, their, their time trial that they did and how it was kind of the opposite of what we love about this sport. This, this was a race put together. This was essentially a race where Galen Rupp was going to go out, try to break the American 10 K record. He was trying to run fast, but you know what? It was also a race with other clubs, other teams in there. And uh, somebody just popped off and had a good day. And I, I also want to continue bringing this full circle. We also spent a lot of time at the top of the show shitting on flow track with this, which is something we do. Here's what I will say. I don't know if these are flow track people. I don't know what, but they were. whoever, Whoever was commentating this race and put this video together, electric. The commentating was, was perfect. It was amazing. We had some cool music in the background going down to, you know, get a little drama going in the moment. It was highly entertaining. You don't have to be a track fan or know anything about what's going on. If you watch this three-minute clip and this guy just going insane over what Chris Zelensky was doing out there, you get it, right? Like, you understand, like, the what's going on and how crazy this moment is just by this guy's tone of voice and the things he's saying. So I will give them credit for how badass this was. Yeah. The, the conversation starts with, and I wish I knew his name. I wish I did, you know, a little more show prep here. Uh, lesson, lesson learned, but the conversation starts with that guy from full track losing his shit, whatever his name is, whatever this guy from full track, whatever, whatever, you know, whoever you are, and I don't know what you've done since. And I don't know. You got a lot of issues with a lot of stuff you're doing, but you nailed it. This is, this is like everything about this video to rewatch like an epic track and field race. I mean, Selensky made it by just pulling off, you know, an epic upset, right? The guy's debuting in the 10 K. Um, he's, he's kind of hanging on. Nobody's expecting him to be there. He's hanging on through the 5k. He's still there. He's still there. And then with 800 to go, he makes this just aggressive move where he's not even going after the American record. He's going after sub 27, which was unheard of for an American at that time. This was 15 seconds faster, I think, than the previous American record. So this guy to go in and run that fast. I mean, that's, that's important, but the, the announcing just, 
puts you there as a fan of the sport or not of the sport and shows you how important it was uh, and how exciting it was. It was, yeah, it was just an A-plus announcing. My, my favorite line is right when he starts to make his move, right when he starts to move away from the pack with 800 to go, he just says, Chris Alinsky with territory he's never been in. And just like right away, um, I'm intrigued. You know, my, my ears perk up. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Something special's happening. So, yeah, very, very good. And if you've had a, if you've had a, you know, a decent or, you know, semi-long running career, we've all had those one or two races in our life where we're just, we just hit that flow state and everything clicks. It just feels right. You're, you know, you're on your pace for your PR, you know, you're on a pace for, for a, a great race and just watching Selinski in those last two laps, it was like, today's that day. Today's that day where everything, everything you've done in your career, everything you've done in your life to this point in the world of track and field just clicked and it just felt good. You felt great. You knew it was your race to win and there was nobody touching you. What, what amazed me was that he probably had that flow state long before he could have thought that going under 27 was realistic. Like when he's with Rupp and the other leaders there with two laps to go for a guy who's debuting in the 10 K and hadn't run the PR in like three years, you're already there, right? You can come in fourth place at that point and you can walk away saying, I ran a hell of a race, right? You've already kind of run beyond what anyone ever expected. And I'm sure even what he expected himself to run in that situation. But instead of being content and thinking, okay, maybe I can outkick these guys there. He just puts the, pedal to the metal and just pushes this insane lead and runs the rest of it by himself and just keeps getting faster he ran like a 26 last 200 it was insane yeah and so this brings me to another point and this is an issue i have definitely not been consistent on and you know i'm like a seesaw flip flop flip flop back forth back forth this video yeah snip snap i mean this video put me it snapped me back the other direction Nobody has more been more inconsistent than myself on Galen Rupp. I love him. I hate him. I love him. I hate him. I feel like recently I've been back on the Galen bandwagon watching this video. This guy stinks. He's such a bum, right? Like it, this is classic Galen Rupp. He's going after the American record and he gets it. He runs 27-10 and runs his PR and it's a great race, but just gets like dominated by this guy when it comes to racing just gets completely outmatched and outdueled and this guy makes him look like an absolute fool and i don't know i'm done i'm done he's a bum this guy's a bum i love how you're making this like assertion from a race from 2010 it's not like <laughs> this is a new galen rup this is galen rup from 2010 guy That's just a- rolled into atlanta and won the trials like running backwards yeah i know and, and and when he did that steve guess who was talking about how amazing he was and how much he loved him listen i'm not hiding behind this okay people are gonna come at me and be like oh you know your, your takes are inconsistent yeah i know i am I'm, I'm sure Galen Rupp will do something amazing at like the Olympics in a year. And I will be, you know, buying t-shirts and I will be, you know, singing his praises and being like, I've been on his bandwagon the whole way. I'm, I'm telling, I'm saying this straight up right now. I'm a flip flopper, but right now he stinks. He's a bum. <laughs> and so Trent, you were, you were kind of telling us you were doing some, uh, some research on this at the time. These guys were from rival cl- clubs and they were kind of, kind of rivals going into this race. Yeah, I mean, these guys, were, they were both Nike guys, but they're not on the same team there. And again, the race was billed, right? Everything you read about it is it was billed as like, you know, buy your ticket for the Peyton Jordan, get excited because Rupp's going after the 10K record. And so to have another guy kind of on another team being coached by another coach, right? 
you know, we all know like Salazar is polarizing and, and Rupp is polarizing. Um, so you can imagine kind of just like the rivalry uh, that that's being generated there and that that's on the track. And I got to imagine that, um, you know, Solinsky and his, he had teammates out there running the race that some of his teammates ran super fast too. We see like his teammates just celebrating like so intensely, you know, after the race there, you got to imagine there was a little chip on his shoulder. Like, okay, everyone came here to watch Rupp, you know, look, look at me and look at like what, what this team can actually do. I don't, I don't need Salazar. That is what we're talking about. That's the stuff that makes sports great. Not everybody getting out there with the same singlet on, the same team, and working together to get a time. They're out there to win. They're out there to beat the other team. That's what sports need to be. That's what track should be. In this race in particular, right? Like we talk so much about like going out there and racing your ass off and not waiting till the end. Chris Alinsky's at the time, right? Like obviously he broke the American record, but at the time he was up against you know, people he shouldn't have been up against and people who everyone thought, you know, we're going to smoke him. And he made his move so early in this race. Like how often do you see that where you're going against like Titans of the event and you decide to try and drop them with like a thousand meters to go. That never happens, especially when you're at that point. It's like, wow, I'm still with these guys. I, you know, as long as I can hang with them, like maybe I can outkick them or I can push them at the end. No, this guy was like, screw it. I'm going now. And nobody went with him. And the gap just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, what a badass way to, to run that race. We, you, you very rarely see it run like that. Rupp, Rupp ran what he would consider, you know, Solinsky wasn't there, a perfect race, right? He got his record. He did everything he wanted to. But Solinsky just, like, threw out any kind of game plan way out the window. And it was like, you know, F it. I'm just, I'm just throwing it all out there and just, you know, just – he did it. He just, he just threw everything out the window and just, you know, did something that no one expected he could do. So uh, speaking of the competition out there, Sam Chalanga, who mm-hmm. finished third from Liberty, ran a 27.08. So the following year, 2011, I think it, was, it must have been 2011, um, Raleigh Relays, uh, I, I raced in the same race against Sam Chalanga and his finishing. <laughs> I, I, if I can dig this picture up, I'll dig it up and I'll put it on the Instagram, but his, his finishing picture, he's coming across the line. I think he ran like maybe a little over 28 minutes that day. And I'm in his finishing picture. Like I'm right behind him in his finishing picture and I'm dying. I still have like 1200 meters to go. (laughs) It was so bad. Like it was early. Like we had just come out of, we had just come out of indoor track. Like I've been training in like sub zero, sub zero temperature for like the, you know, the previous four months. And then we go down to Raleigh in the the sweltering heat and I got to run a 10 K against Sam Chalanga. It was brutal if i'm gonna try to find that picture yeah, if i can we, find it, i'll post it we, up on the instagram we need that picture to service <laughs> so that see that brings so i have two very important points to talk about here and one of them is in a race like this you know with there's varying levels of talent and you have a guy break away and run the american record in a 10k you're gonna have people being lapped can we talk a little bit about is it the responsibility of the people being lapped to give them lane one do, how do we feel about that as a podcast? I think in a 10K, if you have the awareness to know that there's a potential American record going down, get your ass out of lane one. Like, honestly, like if you, if you know you don't have a shot to win or you don't have a shot to do any type of record, especially in a 10K, you just run the rest of the, lane, rest of the race in lane two. 
Yeah, I don't I don't even think you need a record to go down, right? You just you have the guys that are that are really competing for something. I'm on that train. Like, you know, have a little respect. It's kind of the, the unwritten rules of track and field right there. Get out of the way. You don't have to run the whole race in lane two, but slide out of the way, at least for the leaders. I don't need you to slide out of the way for the guy in fifth and sixth lapping you, but for the guys in that are there going for the dub, you gotta get out of the way. But I mean where there was like you look at this, like there was there was like four or five people in contention for to like break the record. Right. So that's a, that's a lot of people constantly coming by you. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm a minute behind them, I'm just getting out of that lane and just running the race in lane too. All right. Listen, as, as a, you know, runner who has many times being the one getting lapped in the 10 K, let me just say this. I think it is a courteous thing to do to jump out to lane two or three and let the leaders run by you in lane one. Do I think that that's some kind of unwritten rule that that's what you should be doing? Absolutely not. Listen, everybody on that track has their purpose and they're running their race and doing their thing. They shouldn't have to inconvenience their race for the leaders. It is not that hard for, you know, Chris Zelensky to bump out to lane two. In fact, many times in this race, people did not give him lane one. It was a few occasions that they gave him lane one, but it wasn't every time. And it wasn't that big of a deal for him to jump out to lane two, go by him and continue on his way as he's blowing by these people. It is ridiculous to think that it is, you know, the, the right of the leader to have somebody just make way for him. Like just go around him. That's ridiculous. I will not stand by that take. What do you have to say, Flo? I'm just going to say, like, I've been on some good teams in my, you know, sporting career. But, God, I have been on some bad teams throughout multiple sports. And the people I hated the most were the ones that were winning all the time. If you think that I would do anything <laughs> other than Thank hurt you. their chances to win, you're out of your mind. I'm not doing all Thank you to help them. I hate them the most and that- out of anyone. I was more worried during the race – that, like, I would be so mad, I feel like, if I was one of those people, that I'd look to my right and, like, maybe throw an elbow at <laughs> And, like, just be like, screw this guy going by me. I'm so angry at where I am in the race. That's what, when I watched the race, I was afraid that might happen to the kid. Because it exactly. is a crazy scenario. But if you think I'm going to help the kid that's actually winning when I am in, like, a lap and a half so, behind. So, so, Flo, of this race, of this race, there's, there's 20 people on the track. Seven of them are this this guy's teammate who broke the American record. Are you getting out of the way if it's your teammate? Oh, totally different. Yeah, if it's your teammate, sure. I I could I could bite off on that. Listen, if you're unable to to stay within four hundred liters of the leader, you get out of the way or you get off the track, right? Like you're you're lucky there's not a mercy rule. You should be pulled from the track if you're falling that far behind the leader. It's like go in a slower heat, go to a different meet. Don't show up to the race if you can't compete. So I I would rather that if that was a written rule where if you ever go down by four hundred meters you get pulled off the track, that that makes sense to me. But this unwritten rule That's an insane rule in a 10K. Where we have to be courteous. Like this is the stuff we talk about that like makes our sport a joke is that we have some unwritten rule to be courteous to give lane one. I would prefer a mercy rule. That would be way better than having to up lane one. That's fair. I will say, going back to that race I just talked about where I got absolutely smoked by Sam Chalanga, <laughs> I did not get out of his way once, nor did – so I didn't, I didn't 
like I wasn't aware enough to get out of his way, nor did I know where I was heading into the last mile of that race. So, so to expect, I, you know, I'm coming around to expect, to expect somebody that's going into the last couple laps of a 10 K to have the awareness to get out of the way. That's, that's asking a lot. I'm not, I'm not negatively judging anyone that doesn't get out of the way. Cause I get that you're, you're in a haze, right? But if you, if you do have the wherewithal to know that he's coming up on your ass, get, get out of the way. That's all I have to say. Just, just get out of the way. But you, but here's the thing. Like if you have, if, if the guy is finishing and you still have several laps to go and there's an American record on the line, like you want to see that happen. Like that's an exciting moment to be on the track for. But it's not your responsibility to be aware of that happening, right? Like, I bet some of these guys don't even know that that's happening. That's like saying that's like saying that's like saying well, like when a quarterback's when a quarterback's about to take a knee and they're up by two touchdowns, like you're a, a you're a, a linebacker getting ready no. to jump the pile and, no, and murder the quarterback. No, because that at that point. Like the person knows he's getting beat, right? Like that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, that's Probably. my whole that that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying in, but, I'm not saying at the five K get out of their way. I'm saying in the last couple no, laps no, 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 but when you're I, watching an American record happen, you give the guy lane one. It, but that so that's the point I'm saying. It's it's not his responsibility. And I'm sure most of these people didn't even know that an American record is happening. They're focusing it on was their build as an event where they were trying to break the American record. Get out of the way, Mike. Just get out of the way. <laughs> I agree with you. I want competition. I want competition. But when the race is over and a guy has, has an opportunity to go in the history books, just get out of his goddamn way. As an old uh, avid listener of Peak Too Early, the fact that Trent all of a sudden is like unwritten rules guy is insane. <laughs> because my favorite moment in Peak Too Early history, and I texted him this when it happened, was when the woman was running to win a race. So they put the ribbon up for the woman, but there were men ahead of her. And the guy ran through the tape. And all you guys were like, that was insanely messed up. And it was. And Trent's like, she should have kicked him. What's the big deal? <laughs> and it was, it was like so crazy of a take. But it was, I mean, so the fact that you now, and I always remember that, the fact that you now are like unwritten rules guys, crazy to me, but. At two totally different circumstances, <laughs> that girl should have stopped complaining. She should have. Ran. That's what I'm saying. In both cases, though, the girl should have ran faster, and these guys in that are that are so far back should not be so far back. Just run faster. Oh yeah, it's that simple, Trent. All right, before we get too far, can I pose one more question to you guys? Because that one was obviously got some heat. Um, and okay, so this is back in 2010. I don't know if they were like compression deals or they were style. But what, what do we think of Selinski's sock slash calf deals that he was he was rocking? I will say in 2010 to 2012, I was rocking some compression calves calf sleeves. So it, it, was it a style thing or what, was it like? No, the, I think they were, I think they were compression socks. Compression. Okay, I think that makes it that makes it even worse. <laughs> worse? Yeah. Dude, those compression socks are are awesome. I'm a, a big little, believer little in the compression. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they faded out though. Is it still a thing? They did. So they couldn't have been that that good. It was a little, they felt great, but it was a little junk science. Hey, if there's anybody that's going to get behind junk science, (laughs) it's, it's this podcast. So I support the compression side. So I, I'm not crazy about the style, but if you said to me that was Chris Zelensky's style, I would appreciate it and support it because I'm never going to get down on somebody about rocking a particular style. I think it, it's cool to have your own style. But if this was a performance thing and you're wearing these ridiculous high socks, uh, it just it's not for me. It's I not for me. Compression socks had a good like decade of like 
being seen out there regularly. You don't see compression socks anymore. Because apparently they didn't work. They I were garbage, garbage like I'm saying. I, I have a pair. I still rock them every once in a while, but you're right. You don't, you don't see them as much anymore. When, when my calf is feeling tight, I put on that <laughs> compression sock. You better believe it. All right, boys, this has been another great episode. Let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? Yeah, so I was, you know, kind of scouring the internet, trying to, like, figure out what we're going to talk about for news this week. And I stumbled upon an article that had me laugh out loud, you know, just enjoying. And it was from uh, this account and web page, Dumb Runner. And they had a blog post, you know, basically, it, it's a very, uh, you know, satire based website. And they had one about people yelling, you know, run forest run stuff like that out there. And I'd encourage anybody else to go out there, check it out and give it a read. Very funny, very funny account. And, you know, very much aligns with what we're trying to do here. And uh, so I'm definitely going to be a new reader to this dumb runner.com. So give it, a, give it a look. I mean, that's, that's the worst. So, so my my uh my response to that every single time is just never heard that one before but that's like like i am i am all we've talked about this on old episodes i'm all for for a good chirp like if you get me with a good chirp like we talked about like the classic one is you honk and everybody waves in the other direction you feel like the biggest idiot in the world run forest run the worst chirp you can give someone steve get on this website and read the article i i it, it was very well done very well done Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? I'm gonna gonna plug the Instagram page. We uh we spent the weekend putting together some some bomb content, getting pumped up for the two mile race. Um, you know, I, I'm normally not really like an Instagram guy. You know, this is a new territory for me, but uh, it was a lot of fun, and I think we have some funny stuff. So just keep your eyes out for that. Check out the Instagram. Um, get excited for the two miler. Um, get to get to the website and sign on up for that. Oh, there's some good stuff coming. Pro Flow, what do you got for people on the Bell app? Um, no, again, it's just honestly awesome to kind of be a part of this. And this weekend was a blast getting some content done with you guys. But I did want to shout out Trent. I mean, I pulled up next to Trent, was just going to like sit there until he noticed me kind of deal. Like was just grinning at him, ready to wave. And Trent was like struggling. Like if you think this, this uh, poison ivy thing is a bit, it is not. This kid was like in the mirror, like pep talking himself, almost like prepping himself. Like he was hurting all day. I could tell, but he battled it out for us. So I think, I think Trent, and I'm just glad to be, you know, on a podcast with such tough people. Cause this is very real what he's dealing with right now. I think flow show, I was like patting down the Ivy to get some of the like loose pus, that, like from dripping off my leg, like trying to clean some stuff off. So it was a great moment. Oh God. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you everybody. That's going to make it through that. Holy you, crap. You can cut that. Jeez, leave it in. Um, on my bell app, I want to give a shout out. So I was DMing. He, this guy was DMing with the uh, with the peak too early account. Um, my guy Harrison Smith, and so he said he was list, he was watching the thirty for thirty. I hate Christian Leitner, and he posed the question, "Who's the Christian Leitner of the running world?" And I told him we got to put some thought into that, and it will eventually be a peak too early topic on the podcast. So we didn't get around to it this episode, but maybe in a future episode, I thought it was a great question. Other than that, guys, buy a shirt, sign up for the P2E two miler. Give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That means so much to us. Other than that, guys, I wouldn't run faster, but I peaked too early. Pat, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over.
sign up for the two miler, give us a rating. <laughs> no, you can't do that. Give us a rating, five star rating review on oh, iTunes. Give the last part over. I'm sorry, that was my. Then there's been a What did I say? What was I saying? <laughs>